Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. The book, Dark Eon. Some people pronounce it Aeon, but I'm telling you, it's Dark Eon. Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Joe Allen, uh, welcome to Chewing the Fat. How are you, sir? Jeff, I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, transhumanism. Okay, so... A, just a quick, the book was uh, fascinating. I even, I haven't really finished it, so I apologize. I've been digging into it, and every time I get into someplace, I go back and I want to read it again. So we'll just, uh, uh, we'll figure, I know how you ended it, so we'll get there. But first, I want to talk about, uh, you know, we're so worried now in today's world about uh, AI, and, and I say word, we're, we're so worried. Uh, we believe, many people believe that it's going to, you know, turn us uh, against us. And transhumanism, we're being sold the bill of goods that it is good, right? I mean, all of this is supposed to be good for us and help humanity. And uh, many of us, including, I think you, believe that it really isn't going to help humanity at all, Right. Uh, I think that the downsides certainly outweigh the up, at least as I um, perceive it. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think much like uh, think about fentanyl uh, and uh, or even the more uh, corporate friendly OxyContin. Uh, OxyContin was initially billed as a, a product that would you know, uh, stop pain and yeah. would be non-addictive. And I, I think that that paradigm holds with uh, artificial intelligence as it's being sold now. Yeah, no question about that. Now, you know, it all started. I, I love uh, you talk about your uh, grandfather in the book talking about television. And I'm always reminded of my mother, and I've talked about it on the show before, was uh, always saying that uh, television is going to be the ruination of the world. And uh, I know your your grandpop uh, thought the same thing. And yet uh, we still get sucked into it, right? I mean, that's part of our life. So how, when we did get into the box and we're all hooked on the box, um, and maybe not all of us should be, but many of us are, um, how does that affect, is that, is that what's dampening our mind or deadening the mind so that we just let this stuff happen to us and we're like, ah, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we went from the the deadening television to the deadening PC to the uh, seemingly enlivening smartphone. Although I would say that that's no life to aspire to. And right. if if um, the trends go in the direction that uh, the people at Meta or Google or Apple want them to go, we'll soon have uh, smartphones resting on our faces. Uh, and then, of course, if Elon Musk. Uh, realizes his dreams will have smartphones in our brains. Uh, I, I I don't think that the downsides decrease as you uh, increase the intensity of transmission. So okay, so what what what's the end game then? What, what, when we when you talk about transhumanism, I mean, I'm talking about a uh, complete just a, a a chip in my brain. We've had the shows where we have the. Uh, the chip in the body, and we're able to have uh, an IP so that we can get information and we can download fresh and new information. But uh, I was always, I, I always figured we would just wear a uh, motorcycle helmet, for lack of a better, what they would call it, a, even just an astronaut helmet, and the screen on the on that helmet would be our computer screen, and we'd be able to see live. 
we'd be able to see what's going on in real life uh, through the glass. But on the glass, we would have that information in front of us. So am I, are we going to, is that going to be considered transhumanism or are we going to actually have the chips inside of us? It's hard to say. It depends on how well they're able to develop the technologies, such as the the Neuralink brain computer interface yeah. or any of the other companies working on them. But insofar as the motorcycle helmet or the astronaut's helmet is concerned, I mean, they tried it with Google Glass over ten years ago. It was pretty much uh, uh, mocked out of existence. Right. But what, uh, the well, new round be- has begun, and um, okay. you've got Meta with their. Ray-Ban style augmented right. reality glasses uh, that's already here again. We'll see what the rate of adoption is, but I, I think that as they keep pushing it and as it improves and as a younger generation is much more pliable than the older and, and less suspicious, uh, I, I would imagine that it will, um, if not become ubiquitous, it will at least take off to the point that it's significant. Well, they had the problem with the the original ones, and I'm not sure what if they're still having the same problem with the latest studies and with the actual with the glasses was that people were having having a difficult time going back and forth, right, between what's live and what they're viewing uh, on whatever they're viewing uh, on the screen. So that's where I got the you know I mean, that's where I was started thinking about the helmet. So it would be it's an easier to me anyway an easier pliable way to see the difference between what's live and what's on the screen but i'm you know whatever they'll they'll do their studies and i'm sure that everyone will just be happy with it because it's all good for everyone isn't it (laughs) yeah i I think that 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 notion you know it's interesting right now especially with artificial intelligence but you see it in other realms there are the kind of competing narratives between those who believe artificial intelligence will make a world of radical abundance and near omniscience. And then on the other side, you have the people that are like, no, artificial intelligence, maybe within the next five years, will kill everyone on Earth. It will turn the the entire planet into gray goo, or it will create bioweapons to kill everybody, or it will launch nuclear strikes from one nation to another, so on and so forth. But those extremes uh, keep people distracted from the more incremental advances of, of what I would say is a profoundly dystopian uh, technocracy or a kind of transhuman aspiration. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't believe that AI is going to kill everybody within five years. And if I'm wrong, there'll be nobody to call me out on it. Um, <laughs> uh, nor do I believe that we're going to see radical abundance. Uh, I think that that what what is happening right now is is not dissimilar to the kind of reckless rollout of the television or the personal computer. Uh, there's maybe a bit more thought than before, but simultaneous with that, you've got it, it's such a complex landscape that um, no one, for the most part, is concerned about uh, what I believe the impending threat is, which is, uh, again, a kind of incremental or a gradual uh, assimilation of these technologies so that we offload our cognition more and more, offload even our decision-making capacity more and more, and become human AI symbiotes, as it's right. often described. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's where, again, you know, you say no one is thinking about that, but I mean, that's that's exactly where, to me, it seems that we're heading, right? I mean, we're able to, we're going to reach a point where even Elon uh, says in interviews about uh, Tesla, well, just let the computer do it. The computer will tell you what to do and what the computer will do. Well, okay, so at some point, you're not even thinking about 
not letting the computer do it. I mean, the computer is just going to do it and figure it out for you. And that's where you're going to go, or that's what you're going to do. And that's what happens, right? I mean, we're just going to say, oh, well, the computer has been right for the last four, five, six, seven, ten years. Well, it's never going to be wrong. We'll just let it be. We'll just do what it says at all times, right? So now we have the fight in uh, uh, the military, or at least they claim they're having the fight over, you know, drones being able to kill humans. And we have the incremental move from there saying, well, you know, people are still going to be in charge of it. It's the AI that's not going to be, you know, it's not going to, the actual computer artificial intelligence isn't going to decide. We're telling it what it's going to decide. Well, at what point in this uh, slippery slope does it decide, uh, you know what, I, I got it. I got it. I'll take care of it for you. Don't worry about it. And that's where you're at, right? I mean, that's the problem. Yeah, that maybe is that's a really dramatic case in, in which you've got life or death decisions being made by yeah. AIs or algorithms. And you know, two of the loudest proponents, maybe the most important, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you've got Eric Schmidt, former Google exec. Um, he was the chair of the uh, National Security Commission on Artificial yeah. Intelligence. They released their enormous report, uh, 2021, and in that report, with Schmidt uh, really being the face of it to the media, in that report they argued that the U.S. was simply not prepared for uh, the competitive landscape of uh, the future of advanced wow. artificial intelligence uh, yeah. being deployed by China and Russia and other um, large-scale actors. So the argument they made was that the U.S. should not sign on to any treaty banning lethal autonomous weapon systems. Um, and, you know, Schmidt now is partnered with Ishtari. Ishtari is a military contractor. They they use um, algorithms, uh, artificial intelligence, to fast-track the development of drone systems uh, in the time since then to now, we've seen a really strong push in the DOD for the development of uh, and deployment of artificial intelligence systems that, again, would be able to make the decision to kill or not kill without right. a human in the loop. Uh, yes, of course, those targets would be determined by a human at the beginning, at the outset. Yeah. Um, say it would be based on IP addresses or based on even uh, facial recognition. Maybe it would even be based on uniforms, so on and so right, forth. Right, right, right. But um, uh, what, what you see now, you've got the replicator program uh, being rolled out by the DOD. They uh, are saying that tens of thousands of autonomous drones uh, will be created and deployed within the next year and a half. And, and that's uh, one assumes if it's successful – uh, that uh, these <laughs> yeah. sorts of weapons systems will become more and more commonplace. Um, there's one other individual that I think is really, it, it kind of surprised me when he said it, but I guess in retrospect, I shouldn't have been surprised at all. And that's Mark Andreessen, the venture capitalist who uh, is pouring many millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars into various AI startups. Uh, in a recent interview with Lex Friedman, uh, he put forward the argument that no human being should be making the decision to kill on the battlefield, that the, the AI systems of the near future would always be superior to human beings who are sort of blinded by wow. the fog of war. Um, you know, Andreessen is not some sort of lefty radical. He's very anti-communist. He's very pro-American nationalism. He's not unlike Peter Thiel in that regard. And uh, Elon Musk, I guess, is uh, somewhere on that spectrum leaning towards right. that. 
And uh, that's what I see in all of this is this this crazed techno optimism that simultaneously is saying, "Don't worry, the AI won't right. kill everybody." But it, you know, we also need to create AI, AI systems that can kill some people sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm not convinced. It's just some people. Sometimes it'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. So we'll get back. Joe Allen, uh, author of Dark. Eon, Transhumanism, uh, The War Against Humanity, a uh, fascinating book. And we can break it down. I mean, I know you break it down, which I, I, I really like the way you broke it down, starting from uh, the very beginning when you uh, start putting things together. And, uh, you know, I know you, uh, you know, with between the Ted Kaczynski and the Ray Kurzweil, uh, bringing those together, fascinating. I mean, I, I haven't met very or talked to very many people who, uh, you know, put those guys together, but it's absolutely true. And, uh, it's fascinating how you did that. But I, I, I wonder, I wonder how or if we're able to stop it now, because we're not going to be able to right? there's only, and I, I know I'm talking over myself, so let me just stop. I wonder if there's any way to stop it without going back to living in a cave? Uh, for I, I think that like many uh, technologies, artificial intelligence or any of the other technologies that descend from that, brain-computer interfaces of any sort, non-invasive or invasive, uh, virtual reality, all of this, it will be distributed unevenly like any technology. Now, the smartphones are kind of an exception to that. Smartphones are much more ubiquitous and evenly spread across the planet than many other tech, uh, tech examples. But uh, I, I suspect that uh, especially as more and more people are resistant to the idea of in integrating artificial intelligence into their businesses, uh, into their churches, into their schools, that we will see something like a, uh, you know, a control group emerge out of this. Uh, uh, ironically, the pandemic kicked up a lot of techno skepticism uh, among people, and I, I, I hope that that endures. So um, to the extent that some people are resistant to uh, adoption and, and incorporation, I don't see it as being uh, a ubiquitous uh, development across the entire planet for every person everywhere. However, um, as you say, most likely those who are driving it forward are going to continue doing so. Yeah. Outside of technical barriers that are unforeseen, uh, I suspect the technology will keep on moving forward. Uh, maybe at the exponential pace that people like Kurzweil predict. And uh, to the extent that happens and to the extent it has the backing of Wall Street, which it does now, um, to the extent it's run on the engines of uh, Silicon Valley and Seattle, uh, which it is, and to the extent that it enjoys the support and patronage of our uh, DOD, which it does, yes. and all of the other competitors across the world are pushing an arms race forward, yeah, it's it's it, everything but inevitable, right? Um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. It's, anything is possible, but I, I suspect that the drive for more wealth, for more power, um, that will keep pushing it forward, and that's that's all we got. I mean, we will have to learn to live with this. Yeah, and, and that's what we are learning to live with. It. Do you think that the United States is, uh, you know, with uh, Eric saying that we weren't prepared? Uh, I, I would think that we are actually trying to be prepared, but then I see where 
we're not trying, you know, he's saying we're not prepared and don't sign any, sign any papers uh, banning it, which is what we're doing, right? We're saying to the UN, we're not going to sign any of your paperwork. We'll do a handshake deal that it's okay, but we're not going to, we're not going to sign on to any, any kind of, any kind of bans uh, around the world. Well, I mean, that's what we're doing now. So are we, are we preparing and getting better or are we just, eh, well, okay, we'll, we'll try to catch up. Uh, no, I, you know, Eric Schmidt, he frames this as if the U.S. is is somehow lagging behind in this process and, it, it, you know, China poses a serious competitive threat. I, I, I don't buy that at all. In okay. fact, almost all nobody right. speaks of it in this way. The U.S. is far, far ahead Good. of China. I'm glad. I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I and would assume that myself, but I'm just so going by what he says. He, he's kind of a corporate accelerationist, so he's not going to be as extreme as the Mark Andreessen's or the Peter Thiel's of the world. Okay. But uh, ultimately, that's where he's going. He wants the guardrails in place. He wants the kind of public-private partnership that you see emerging right now in D.C. Right. between OpenAI, Microsoft, Google, and uh, the U.S. government. So um, it, it, I guess you, you could say he wants a more controlled acceleration, but he, he wants acceleration nonetheless. So... Of course, the rhetoric he employs is going to leave Americans feeling somewhat insecure in a competitive landscape. But ultimately, what he's talking about is creating an American-style technocracy. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the elements that are, is necessary for advanced artificial intelligence is data. And so uh, in order for artificial intelligence to be used to streamline uh, or accelerate economic trends, economic growth, it's going to require massive privacy invasions like we see already. Oh, well, yeah, we, yeah, we see that every day. Yeah, so I, I, my, my sense is that uh, what Schmidt's trying to do is just simply prepare the way for that with the... I see it as a veneer of American freedom and, uh, you know, American independence. Um, I'm not saying that he's totally disingenuous, but I, but I do believe that the realization of the world that he's talking about and any of these people on the kind of techno-optimist or even transhumanist spectrum, that uh, their dream of preserving human freedom and human dignity or even human identity, uh, while at the same time constructing this 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 mechanical and digital behemoth, I, I don't think it's going to work out that Can't way. It has its history, no and uh, it, it, se it seems to be going, in my opinion, in a, in a very a profoundly negative direction, especially something as uh, seemingly mundane as AI in education. I think that as students become more and more dependent on machines, as teachers and professors become more and more dependent for their instruction, uh, what you're going to see is, is sort of like the uh, couch potato writ large uh, across academia, and, and it's already happening. It will just accelerate. It will just increase. Yeah, I mean, it is happening. We see it every day in uh, retail uh, stores uh, across America. Right? I mean, people uh, count on machines doing their work, whether it's at you know warehouses or even just fast food places. But people count on those machines to do the work for them. So they just don't know how to do it. It's, they don't care about doing it because the machine's doing it. It's fine. The machine does it. It's okay. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay, so uh, in your book, uh, Dark Eon, uh, you talk about uh, that the the plan to stay human. Now you call it the fifty five uh, point plan. Uh, I didn't count every point. It looked uh, it's less kind of than, tongue in cheek. It looked less than fifty five. <laughs> but uh, the plan to stay human. So. 
Uh, in that plan, what is probably the most important plan out of the 55-point plan that you have in your book? Yeah, you know, in, in some ways that, that, that title is, is kind of a, a stab at all the different uh, presenters I've seen at conferences who end with their 10-point plan to save America or 25-point plan to stop Marxist Gnosticism. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, it is, it should, obviously, you should put all your cards on the table. I'm not confident that uh, much of anything that I wrote in that appendix uh, will be followed, at least not by a significant number of people, but I, I really do think that the most important is the personal choice. I mean, I begin with that. I, I I don't believe that the state will necessarily be the solution to any of this. They can put in buffers. They can put in protections like data, data privacy. Those are really, really important. But uh, mostly it's going to amount to what individuals and communities choose to do in response to this rapid transformation. And I, I don't necessarily believe that everyone should follow my recommendations. I'm pretty upfront about that. But the more suspicion is cast on the system, uh, the more resistance to reckless integration of these technologies. And, and maybe um, one of the, the really key elements will be uh, to have some sort of uh, rubric or calculus to determine how much you're gaining from any of these technologies and how much a company or a government organization is getting from you. Who's right. really winning out in this equation? Who won with Google, for instance? Um, who, who is winning with Amazon? I, in my opinion, I don't think the consumer is winning at all, and nor is uh, uh, kind of American business life as a whole uh, right. or the information landscape uh, in regards to Google. So I think that's really important. Human beings who, have, who live in nations where we still have choice are going to have to make some very difficult choices going ahead. And um, and I, I hope that a significant number, a critical mass of people um, are, are uh, wise enough or at least paranoid enough uh, to hold out. Well, I mean, we, we all should uh, own us, right? I mean, no matter what, we should own ourselves. And I think uh, a lot of people are not owning themselves at all uh, in today's world. And that definitely needs to be thought about. And I will say, that uh, at the end, and I, I don't want to spoil the ending of the book, uh, Dark Eon, but uh, you say and claim that we will endure. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Will we? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you have to have faith in that. You have to have faith in that. Uh, you know, I can't say with any 100% assurance that uh, any one person listening right now will endure. Uh, nor will their uh, their children or their children's children, but you have to have that faith. If you don't have that faith, you're not going to respond in a way that is conducive to that endurance. Um, and you, you might say, okay, well, that's just pie in the sky. That's just um, that's you fibbing and telling a, you know, a, a, a pretty lie. Uh, I don't believe it is. Uh, I think that for one thing, I also have faith that this is not the end. This this material realm is not the end all be all, and that uh, you know what is truly important extends far beyond um, this world where um, you know treasures are buried and the moth uh, rusts. The, the you know, I, I think that that is for at least the the religious people who are listening. I think that's probably the most important focus. But even for the materialist. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's also very important to believe in yourself and to believe in your human capacities because if you don't, again, 
Um, the you know these corporations, by and large, under the um, with, with with all of their talk of empowerment and putting you in control. Um, what they're offering are systems that will put them more and more in control and disempower you. Uh, so you have to have faith in yourself. You have to have faith that you're going to endure. Joe Allen, author of Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Uh, the foreword in this book is by uh, Stephen K. Bannon, which was uh, fascinating. I would love to have you back and talk to you maybe a little bit about your story, let alone now your book. Your story is fascinating, too, your American dream story. Uh, but the book, uh, fascinating. I appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy. I'll let you go. I could talk for another hour and... And uh, I know you will say, hey, shut up. I've got to go. So, Joe, thank you very much for joining me on Chewing the Fat today. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'm always good to come back and chew the fat, Jeff. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.